Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service is in the bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 308, As Surely As I Live, God Said. sinful, I have disobeyed you, and justly deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. reading for this 16th Sunday after Pentecost is from Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 7 to 11. The prophet Ezekiel is called a watchman by the Lord and a watchman someone who is supposed to be looking out for problems and troubles that someone else could be facing and and now this reading ties in with the gospel reading, talks about how we want to watch out for one another's eternal souls. The Lord said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. Son of man, say to the house of Israel, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Alleluia. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Alleluia. 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 Our epistle reading is from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 10, a reading in which the Apostle Paul talks about our responsibility to follow authorities over us, thinking here especially of the government. Paul said, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you not want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. 
for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. For this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's continue now with our next hymn, hymn 494, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. 
If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you agree on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the portion of scripture that's before us is pretty much considered to be the scriptural basis for the doctrine, the teaching of church discipline. And it's talking about that instance where a fellow Christian would sin against you, where a fellow Christian would be involved in an open, unrepented sin. And there are two extremes which Christians are sometimes guilty of when it comes to this teaching of church discipline. One is to think that church discipline is the way that you get rid of unwanted church members. And the other extreme is that sometimes people will defend the complete disregard doing nothing because they say, well, we have no right to judge anyone. But both extremes are wrong. Neither is correct. And, well, what we need to do is understand here how Jesus wants us to practice church discipline and remember, and remember how much our Savior loves us. And when the Savior loves us, he disciplines us when we need it so that we can ultimately be with him in heaven. His all-consuming purpose in this life was, well, to be the Savior, to do everything that would be necessary for us and our eternal salvation. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. And, well, our Savior wants it to be our goal, likewise, that we would want souls in heaven that we would reach out to people and when someone would be caught up in a sin that we would help them deal with that situation, that we would deal with weak, erring fellow believers and remember that as we deal with fellow members maybe, well, we'll also want our fellow Christians 
to help us when we might get caught in some sort of sin. There was a family that took a vacation to Niagara Falls. And while on Goat Island, just above the falls, what happened is that uh, a younger son ended up falling into the, into the water. And, well, there was a teenage son who fortunately was able to grab a hold of him. And the two of them were in the water and, and the, the teenage son was trying to keep the younger son safe and until somebody would come and be able to help and rescue both of them from the water. But as time went by, what happened is that the teenage son, he was just getting totally worn out trying to hang on to his brother and it looked like the time was coming when he wouldn't be able to hang on anymore. And under those circumstances, what happened is that the mother called out to him, don't let go, he's your brother. And, well, the teenage boy was able to gather enough strength to hang on to the brother the younger brother until help did arrive and, and did rescue the both of them. But the mother's cry in that story illustrates our Savior's concern for us spiritually as his concern for spiritually weak and endangered believers and what, what he also wants us to do for those spiritually weak and endangered believers. Jesus says to us, don't let go, he's your brother. Because of the deep concern that he has for us. We're reading today, it's saying, don't let go, he's our brother. When we think about fellow Christians who might be erring from the faith, who might be unrepentant. And when we say, don't let go, he's our brother, remember we're also thinking that we want other Christians to watch out for us as well. And that's because, well, don't let go, he's our brother, because Jesus desires his salvation, because unrepentant sin is soul-destroying, because Jesus has given us the keys and because Jesus will bless our efforts. That's why we hear that encouragement, don't let go, he's our brother. Jesus had just told the parable of the lost sheep. He said that if a man owned a hundred sheep and one of them got away, wouldn't the sheep owner leave the 99 behind and go on out and do everything he could to find the one sheep that was lost? And if he found that lost sheep, he'd be absolutely thrilled. Well, Jesus wants us to have that kind of an attitude in our lives to all Christians. That longing, that desire that any soul that wasn't a part of God's family or that was wandering away from God's family would be brought back into God's fold, into God's family. And now what we'll want to do, of course, is do all that we can to help one another so that we're built up and strengthened in the faith. 
But if a fellow Christian does wander away from the faith, if a fellow Christian is unrepentant, well, Jesus says, if your brother, that's a fellow Christian, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. To sin against us, that doesn't mean that a fellow Christian would need to steal from us or hurt us. Actually, any sin that a Christian commits ends up being a sin that is against his fellow Christian. If ever we commit a sin, if ever we commit a sin which causes non-Christians to look at us and say something like, look at what he did and he's supposed to be a Christian, then we're sinning against our fellow Christians because we're hurting the spread of the gospel. We're bringing shame upon the church. We're sinning against our fellow Christians. Oh, for example, when we lie, even when we tell a lie that maybe sometimes we would think of as being a white lie, a little lie, but it's still a lie. It's an untruth. We sin against our fellow Christians when we gossip, when we curse or swear and use God's name in a way that is inappropriate, in a way that God doesn't want us to, well, we sin against our fellow Christians. When we aren't faithful in coming to worship, when we aren't faithful in regularly receiving the Lord's Supper, whenever we openly, publicly break any of God's commandments, we're sinning against our fellow Christians. If one Christian commits such a sin and another Christian knows about it, what, what Jesus is letting us know here is that then it's that other Christian's responsibility to, to show the other Christian his fault. And that's not an easy thing to do. No one enjoys doing that. If you or I know the sin of another person, we might be tempted to say something like, well, that's between him and God. It's none of my business. But actually it is our business. God has involved us. In the Old Testament reading, God spoke of the grim consequences of sin for the sinner, and he even said that he'll hold accountable the one who fails to warn a sinning brother about his sin. So if we know about a fellow Christian who has sinned, who's not repentant, let's go to him and show him his sin. If we know about him, let's do that as Jesus directs us to. And if you or I have sinned and we're stuck in our sin, we're unrepentant, let's always pray that a fellow Christian would have the love in his heart for us to speak to us, to help us, because unrepented sin is soul-destroying. But how should we speak to a person if, if we know somebody who's stuck in some sort of a sin? 
well, humbly, as a fellow sinner. We dare not be proud or think that we're better than he is. Rather, we'll just want to be saying, I'm concerned about your soul, and I pray you're concerned about my soul too. If possible, when we're talking with a fellow Christian about a sin, Jesus said it should be done privately. Jesus said, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Then the matter is over. We forgive and forget. However, Jesus did say, if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by two or three witnesses. Extra people, and now those extra people, also lovingly concerned about the erring person's eternal soul, are taken not to spread the story around, not to gossip, but to impress upon the person the seriousness of his sin, of his situation. And if that doesn't work, even bringing more people in to lead the person to repentance, then Jesus says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. If God's law is presented, if the sin has been clearly pointed out and the fellow Christian doesn't care what God's law says, if he continues to break God's law, then it becomes necessary for the church to excommunicate a person, to end a person's church membership. And this should never be done out of malice. Actually, it always needs to be done out of love, out of concern for the person's eternal soul, to try to lead the person back to Christ. Jesus gives us these directions not because he wants to have the erring person kicked out of the church, but because Jesus desires his salvation. But now when an excommunication does take place, we really aren't kicking that person out or letting that person go we're actually acknowledging what that person, by his defiance of God's law, what he actually has done to himself, how he has torn himself really away from God. That's because, as I said, unrepented sin, it's soul-destroying. If we deliberately do what we know is contrary to God's will, Aren't we saying that, well, we're placing ourselves in God's position, saying we make up the rules, we determine what we should do, and we're bypassing God and we're saying ultimately that we don't want God's forgiveness. Now, that's a scary statement to make. Now, Jesus here is preaching a strong warning because 
He wants us to work at keeping any and all sin out of our lives so it can't destroy our eternal souls. Oh, maybe think of this illustration. A person may take a tiger cub into his home because when it's a little baby tiger cub, it looks like a cute kitten. It, it may be lovable, it may be adorable. But as it grows up and becomes an official tiger, that tiger may end up becoming its owner's master and even his murderer, even his murderer. In much the same way, it's dangerous for us to allow any sin into our lives because even what seems like the smallest, supposedly inconsequential sin that may grow into something that could control our lives and separate us from our God. Jesus also wants us to deal with the erring Christian because he has given us the keys, as it says here, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that refers to the ministry of the keys which a person learns about in catechism class or in a Bible information class. Many, maybe that term is one that you do remember, maybe you don't remember it. But the keys, it's talking about the authority that God gives to believers to forgive the sins of penitent sinners, repentant sinners, and then also the authority to tell the unrepentant, impenitent sinner that he's stuck with his sins because of his impenitence, because he is not repentant. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Since Jesus has given us this authority, that does mean that we are our brother's keeper, our brother and our sister in Christ's keeper. We aren't supposed to nose into other people's business and become spiritual detectives but we are supposed to be concerned about their eternal souls. That also means that we want our fellow Christians to be concerned about our eternal souls as well. If you or I were guilty of some sin, some sin for which we weren't sorry, well, again, may God bless us with fellow Christians who care enough about us and about our eternal souls to show us our faults so that God can lead us to repentance. Jesus also wants us to deal with anyone who, who sins against us because, well, he desires that person's eternal salvation because unrepented sins are soul-destroying, and because he's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, we are our brother's keeper. And then finally, he also tells us here that he wants us to 
don't let go, he's our brother, because he says he's going to bless our efforts. Jesus said, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. When we do our Savior's work, look at what he promises us. He, he promises that he's going to be with us. And therefore only blessings can follow when we do the Lord's work. When we're dealing with a fellow erring, struggling Christian, it's important for us to pray to God, to pray about the situation. Remember James in scripture says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And oh, how many blessings could there be in our lives and in our dealings with others if only we would take the time to take the matter to our God in prayer. When Jesus said here, if two of you agree, he isn't telling us that what we need to do is find somebody else who will agree with us and ask God that he would give us billions of dollars or some other earthly blessing like that and say, then you're going to get it. Rather, he's encouraging us to pray as believers always will want to pray that God's will be done. With such a prayer that God's will be done, well, really, that's the best prayer that there is, saying, God, I'm coming to you with my prayers and requests. I know what I'm asking for, but may your will be done because you know what's best. And, and well, when we pray that kind of prayer, we can be sure that God is going to answer and God's going to bless our efforts. Oh, if we had a family member or a close friend and that person was about to drink an arsenic solution, what would we do? For that matter, if it even was a stranger and we knew that that stranger was about to drink that arsenic solution, what would we do? Well, in love, we try to stop that person. Likewise, when we see a fellow Christian whose soul is endangered by some sin. In love, let's go to him as Jesus directs us here. And let's pray that we'll always have fellow Christians who love us enough to come to us if they see our souls endangered by some sin. Let's always be saying to ourselves, don't let go. He's our brother. God is always so concerned for us and our eternal souls. That's why he gave us Jesus. That's why he sends the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts, to make us believing children of God and to keep us into the faith. Well, may God help you and me also to be so concerned about the souls 
of our brothers and sisters in Christ and about the souls of those who don't yet know Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and love, and that we may obtain what you promise, make us love what you command. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, in our prayers, oh, we keep on praying for the multitude of people in our congregation, our extended church family with different trials and troubles. This week we think of Rachel Lowry dealing with a leg infection. We think of Stan Krosick who is now at Holt Senior Care and Rehab Center getting some antibiotics, dealing with his issues. You know, we keep on thinking of Paula with her heart and leg and circulation issues and, and the people she knows that she's concerned about, that she wishes they knew more about the Savior, about his grace and love, and prays that the Holy Spirit would work on their hearts. Lord God, with all of these people, well, if there's a physical ailment, we ask you if it's your will, grant healing. If there's a spiritual ailment, well, with all people, we say, Lord God, keep on building us up, strengthening us in our faith. Work on people's hearts to call them to faith, to make them believing children of God. Give us always a desire as we deal with others, even if someone sins against us. Give us always a desire that people would know your grace and love. 
and, well, give us fellow Christians who, when we would stumble and fall, would be there for us to show us our sin and to build us up and strengthen us as well. We gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. Maybe as we think about Oh, things that are going on with MSU right now, we'll, we'll also be thinking about praying about them too, that oh, God bless America, God bless all of us. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains, to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you again for joining me for worship today. A few announcements to share with you this afternoon. Well, probably after the Packer game, we'll head over to Wisconsin because I have some meetings over there, a Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary alumni meeting and a symposium that deals with the two kingdoms is the title of the, the symposium. We'll be going over for that to visit family, friends. We'll see my dad, see Alexander, others. In the congregation, well, we'll be coming back late Wednesday, early Thursday is the plan. Um, Monday is Diane Kennedy and Riley Kunkel's birthday. Tuesday, Shelley Janicki. Thursday, Olivia Cole, Lyle Johnson, Colin Norder. Uh, well, Dave and Kelly Christmas have an anniversary on Friday, and, and Saturday is Adam Greathouse's birthday. Would mention that because of the trip and because there appears to be interest, our Wednesday service this week will be moved to Thursday night at 6.30. If you'd like to come and join us for that service, please plan on Thursday, not the normal Wednesday. Told you about our prayer list. 
Well, please keep all our folks in your prayers. Stan's got a long time dealing with, well, I'm not exactly sure. He got infection, other problems. Long time he's dealing with that. And, well, he's going to need the time at the rehab place to build up his strength so that hopefully, prayerfully, he can go home. And maybe I'd just tell you, my dad, he seems to be doing a little bit better all the time. It's amazing what God can do. Again, thank you for worshiping with us. The Lord bless and keep you always.